Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and I am excited today to bring to you another one of these bonus episodes where if you've been keeping up with us, you know that we have people on that are just gifts to the church, whether they are speakers, preachers, evangelists, priests, bishops, we've had them all on here, and today is no different. Today, my guest is Father Stephen Gadbury. He's a native of the Arkansas Delta, so he's right across the bridge. He's a hometown boy, uh, which I really love, another southern boy like me. He's a Catholic priest for the Diocese of Little Rock, and he was ordained on May 28, 2016. After graduating high school in 2004, he enlisted in the United States Air Force, serving in Texas, Germany, and Central uh, Iraq. He majored in philosophy and the liberal arts at St. Joseph Seminary College in Louisiana and completed his postgraduate studies in theology in Rome, earning an STB from the Pontifical Gregorian University and a postgraduate specialization in St. Augustine and Joseph Cardinal Radzinger, the uh, God's Rottweiler, if you will. <laughs> Father Stephen is a fellow of the Word on Fire Institute, which is part of Bishop Barron's Word on Fire Ministries. When not preaching in the pulpit, you can find him exercising, spending time outdoors, coaching a CrossFit class, or playing with his dogs, Murph and Shorty, which I want to want to ask him about those dogs and those names. Uh, Father Gadbury was on season 10 of American Ninja Warrior in 2018, which is awesome. And as far as his favorite hobbies, he enjoys listening to music, as well as making music on the piano, guitar, and harmonica. He also enjoys archery and is an avid hunter and conservationist. So without further ado, my friend, Father Stephen Gadbury. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Father, thanks for being here. Like, dude, if we talk about half of what's in your bio, it's going to be one heck of a show. <laughs> cool, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 jump into it. Yeah, man. Well, first of all, I, you know, I, I became aware of of you and your story, and just where God's had you journeying, you know, in in your life and the life of others through uh, one of my relatives. I think my my father in law uh, sent a video over one day and said, "This guy's great. You should interview him." And you know, I get a lot of people sending me stuff and you never know. And I, mm-hmm. I just sat down, I looked at it and I was like, wow, this is word on fire. And, uh, you're a fellow with them and all of that. And I just hit play and man, I was glued to the screen for the 58 minutes and 96 seconds or whatever that was <laughs> just one enamored that, you know, like I said, that you were right across the river and, mm-hmm. and just thought, man, what a, what a, what an incredible story and just journey of your life. And, uh, just the man that you seem to be through that video. And so, you know, I just wanted to to bring you on here to talk about all that and to get into other things. But let's start off a little bit about you're from Arkansas. So, like, what was that like growing up, and you know, where what part of Arkansas, and and how was your young life? It's God's country. So, I mean, that's <laughs> there that's, you go. That's a plus to begin with. I mean, the Delta. You're from from here, familiar with this area. The Delta is just such a special place. So much, such a so much history, a rich history, just a beautiful culture. Um, there's nothing big and fancy about it, which I think is what makes it so awesome. Uh, yeah. It's just, I mean, what you see is what you get. And, you know, really, that's that's at the heart of the gospel. But when it comes to the Lord, what you see is what you get. You get salvation. And, yeah. Um, and and it's always, like, the Lord is always inviting us to, to be authentic, to be vulnerable, to be raw, so that, you know, what, what people see is what they get. What And what we present to the Lord is, you know, it. You yeah. Know, instead of... You know, like this, you know, a double-sided thing. But just growing up there was just an amazing thing. Grew up on a little family farm, um, small German Catholic farming community. Uh, good, good Catholic families there. My family's always been Catholic. We, we grew up in the church. Always went to mass, days of obligation, stations of the cross. We prayed the rosary every now and then as a family, but it usually ended up in a family fight or you know, kids fighting or the parents or grandparents mad at us for for getting rambunctious. But um, hopefully that's. Maybe a little message of hope for some of the families sure, that try sure. to pray it and <laughs> end up more stressed than peaceful. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but but God God provides when you just keep showing up. And you know, growing up in the Delta, um, I learned so much, so much. But one of the, the the big things that I took away from growing up in that that environment, that that uh, that culture, that family, everything was just the power of of uh, and and the grace that that comes whenever you just keep showing up. Right. Just keep showing up. And that's that's the story of love. Just just show up and and and, um, you know, know, of course, take the next step. But we're afraid to even just sometimes even present ourselves. But just keep showing up. Sure. It it all works out. Yeah. It's like sometimes, I mean, especially in our spiritual life, we feel disqualified because we're not perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, we fall or we fail or we have our habitual sins, repetitive sins and the things that just keep like these snares the devil lays in front of your feet every day that we keep stepping in. And 
And I think so many people need to hear that sort of message of it's not about the fall. It's about getting up. Yeah. Right. It's not about like you're going to take your licks. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a big Rocky fan. And there's one of those movies that like he's he's got a speech where he's talking about it's not it's not how hard you can, you know, how hard you can hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep mm-hmm. moving forward. And and it's you know, of course, it's a Rocky movie. So you take it with a grain of salt. But like it, it just there was some wisdom in that. Yeah. Because a lot of times we feel like, all right, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to lay down. But there's so many stories in this world where where people have have been through so much pain, so much loss, so much anything. Like you know, whether it's an addiction or or loss of life or things like that. But they they keep getting up. And the saints, you know, they're they were that way too. I mean, we can we can look at them as these perfect. You know, they were born, they came out of the Bible, out of the womb with the Bible and holy water, and <laughs> like here I am, world, you know, bring it on. But they weren't. They were broken. I mean, you look at St. Augustine. I mean, you studied, obviously, him and, and, and did some work on him uh, in Rome. And, and he was a broken mess for a lot of his life. You know, and I know you've had loss and stuff in your life, too. I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, getting up and moving forward and walking. Like, I know you you had some loss early on in your life. I mean, would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I'm a you know, small, small little family. I uh, was the second of, of five kids altogether. Sure. Um, May 5th, 1994, uh, we had a vehicle accident. My father, mm. um, my older sister, my younger sister, and myself. My dad was 32. My older sister was 11. My little sister was three. Uh, I was just eight at the time. But long story short, um, you know, caught some gravel on the side of the road, went off further in the ditch, caught a culvert, and just started cartwheeling. And uh, we were all thrown from the vehicle. My dad, he died um, on the way to the hospital. And um, my sister, older sister, Courtney, she was 11. Uh, She died immediately. Actually, the the vehicle landed on her. Dad had punctured lungs. Um, My little sister, my little sister, Allison, she was just three. She was was crushed. She, She was sitting in actually my father's lap. And uh, so when we hit that culvert, he, he just crushed her between the steering wheel. And so she was in a body cast, just beat up. Um, came over to Memphis right here, St. Jude's, yeah. and, and uh, they really took care of her over there. Um, I ended up with just a broken ankle, um, some some scratches and stuff, probably some brain damage too. That's maybe what's wrong <laughs> with me now. <laughs> that and all the, all the childhood stuff, you know, yeah. bicycle wrecks before that. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, life can hit hard. Um, and uh, that changed my life. So mom and dad just found out that they were pregnant. And um, the uh, little, you know, short, shortly after the accident, mom goes for like a checkup or whatever. And the doctor was like, I got some news. And she's probably thinking, oh, gosh, all this stress, my kid's, you know, dead. And I'm going to have a miscarriage. Sure. And the doc was like, well, there's another one in there. You got two. <laughs> so she, oh she's my got gosh. twins. Yeah, so the um, – you know, I'm, I'm one of five kids. Older sister has passed away. Now I'm the oldest of my, my three other siblings. Uh, mom never remarried. But to the thing with loss, um, it hits. You know, it hits yeah. when you least expect it. Um, it's not fun at all. Uh, you can learn a lot through it, though. And yeah. it just the need to get up. Yeah. Get up. Yeah. Good. Well, I mean, so you were probably been, what, about – eight or so mm-hmm. around that time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, and God bless you for sharing that. I don't even know how to, I could imagine. I mean, I lost my mother to cancer and that was horrible. I, I can't, could imagine losing a, a sibling and, and then just having one in the hospital and, and all of that. So when that accident happened, like, I mean, were you the one that kind of got out and got up and, and mm-hmm. f- you know, did you, how did you guys get picked up? I mean, did somebody come along the road and yeah. see you? Or I mean, how did all that go down? Yeah. So it was, I don't know, probably 6 o'clock, 5.45 or so in the morning, I guess, on a Thursday morning, these country roads in Arkansas. Um, a, uh, I, I crawled up to the road, and a uh, car was driving by, flagged him down. Um, but, I mean, he would have seen the accident and sure. probably would have stopped anyhow. But it, so I you know, flagged him down, but told him you know, my mom's phone number and everything. And, and yeah. so he, he went and you know, called, and you know, the, the – the medics and all the doctors and everybody came and did what they do. Yeah. And what was, I mean, so all of a sudden your dad's gone, which I, I couldn't imagine that, you know, mm-hmm. what that must feel like. And like I said, the loss of a sister and things. I mean, you you said, so now you're the oldest, so you would have been the oldest at the time. Mm-hmm. So you had to become sort of this father figure at eight years old in your home. Is that, mm-hmm. 
accurate? I mean, because, I mean, it was really your mom and you, and mm -hmm. she's pregnant and all these other things. Like, did you have to start sort of being the man of the house at that point? Uh, yeah, actually. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it was a blessing and a curse in, in different ways. Um, you know, I'll, uh, just sort, sort of the, the blessings of it. It's just so amazing how, you know, growing up without a father, um, so many other men stepped up and were just good mentors yeah. to me. And so they showed me how just the power of fatherhood, even whenever it's not your actual father, and, and just seeing, you know, God's humor in that, you know, if, if I could use that word in the, even in this context, of have, he's, you know, his bigger story, he's got a plan. Sure. He's got a plan. It's just keep getting up, keep trusting, and, you know, turn to the next page. This page doesn't make sense. Um, I use that image a lot. People come to me often in priestly ministry with all these crises, and they're just ready to throw in the towel. And I use such a simple image of if they're reading a book or watching a movie. You know, every good book, every good movie has these plots and twists and turns. And when you get to the end of the chapter, the last paragraph, something always happens. Yeah. You think, well, why did this happen? This, this is not what the character has been doing the whole time, or this is not the situation. And, but, but there's a twist. And so you don't think, oh, well, I wasn't expecting that. I'm done with that book. You go to the next chapter. Sure, right? yeah. <laughs> Same thing with a movie. If, if you're at the, the, the theater or something and a scene changes and you think, well, that's not what I paid for. I'm leaving. You know, taking your Skittles and <laughs> yeah. you walk out the door. Like, no, you stay and watch it. But in life, whenever we're part of that story, it, it, it's so easy for us to turn it off or close it instead of, you know, going along. But the, so the Lord's hand was there having to grow up, kind of be the father, father figure, you know, whatever that meant for a little kid. Um, I learned a lot about fatherhood. Uh, I learned a lot about just, just trust and just doing work. Um, it, it had challenges too, because in a way, just being very vulnerable, I, I didn't get a childhood. Yeah. Uh, so even if it was a lie that I was believing, I had to grow up and be the man of the house. And so therefore that means you can't have fun. You can't do things that are leisure or, um, playful because you have to be the man you have to be the one to provide even though it's a little kid you know um that still haunts me today uh, yeah. just being very vulnerable you know connected to that um it's hard for me to 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 have leisure and not feel guilty about it oh, talk wow. to a lot of adults that that, that feel the yeah. same way um and I think whenever the Lord, you know, speaks of being childlike, that's one of the things he, he, he's speaking of, just the ability to totally abandon yourself to the present moment because that's what playing is. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what leisure is. It's an abandonment to the present moment, and that's the only place to encounter God. So, anyhow, I went down a bunch of bunny No, no, please keep going question. down those roads. <laughs> that's good <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, I had to, had to grow up quick. Um, had to, it taught me a lot. And uh, Was there ever any, like, any resentment for that? Like, I mean, did you ever – did you ever get angry? Like, why, do, why does this fall to me? Or, or, you know, why, like you said, I, I can't just go and do what I want to do. I've got this guilt of, I need to be providing. I need to be, mm -hmm. you know, here for everybody else who needs me. And I've heard so many families that grow up sort of in a similar manner of, of just this sort of disappointment, anger that followed them because of it. But also too, like a, a lot of times when things like that happen, you're confused. You don't understand like, why is, why did God allow this to happen? Did you ever kind of go through a stage where you were angry at God? And, and cause I know I did, I mean, and I, I didn't really have an excuse. I was, you know, 30, whatever I was, I, th I guess I was in my mid thirties when my mother died and I was very angry with God, you mm -hmm. know, just like I, here I am this, you know, I told you a little, I'm sorry, but like here I am this you know, scumbag kind of lying drug addict loser and I'm alive. And my mother who was a good God fearing woman is not here, mm -hmm. you know, and if that's, I, I sort of turned that, that anger towards God. Did you ever experience anything like that? I mean, growing up? Over the last couple of years. Really? Yeah. It's wow. A, it's one of those, just again, I'm pouring it all out here. Um, sure. It's one of those things you grow up, and, and I really compartmentalized it, pushed it away, shoved it down, ignored it. You just got to keep showing up. You got to take care of, of all these other things. And, uh, um, you know, I, I'm saying this, like, my mom is, is a saint. She busted sure. her tail and went without so much. Like she, she made so many sacrifices for us. And she, she, she's really, you know, one of the key, key teachers in my life of that, that just taught me how to just show up and figure it out. Sure. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be crazy and chaotic, 
just figure it out and get it done. She, she did that. But so had her, my grandparents, uncles, um, some of my aunts, you know, that, that were just great examples that helped me. But, um, um, so the resentment, yeah. So they taught me a lot growing up and I, but I compartmentalized it and I never allowed myself to feel those emotions growing up. And it's actually only within the probably last year or so, last couple of years that I've really become aware of, that, of these wounds that I've been blocking off. Yeah. And over the last year in particular, I've been working through them with my spiritual director. And it's been very freeing. It's been kind of painful, but it's been very freeing to say, no, this is a wound. This yeah. is a resentment. This is a pain that I still have. Uh, and then, you know, working through that doesn't mean that I hate my family. Um, but I mean, it, it requires me to recognize a wound or something there and, 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 you know, get healing. But, uh, so yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. And surprisingly just over the last year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And, and it's, it's so funny, man. I, I, it's not funny really, I guess, but it's just, when you think about it, like, especially with men and we have a lot of men that listen to the show, we, we, we act out like we're always, and we did a show about this a couple of weeks ago called the, um, the battle within mm. and we're talking about how it's like man we we want to grab our our broadsword or our axe if you will and go out there and start whacking everything out there right. because we don't understand that the real battles in here sure you know that we have all these unhealed wounds and like i said i had a father wound and i didn't realize in my life until after all of this and then now even recently um that i had a wound of inadequacy right i was never enough I, there was nothing i could do to 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 hear i'm proud of you or i love you from my father growing up so that inadequacy just was born in me and, and sat there. And so I can look back at parts of my own life where I've ruined relationships and things because, you know, I was like, well, that guy's a jerk. No, he's not a jerk. There's nothing wrong with him. There's yeah. something going on in here. Mm -hmm. And for some reason that's rubbed up against that. And, you know, if we don't realize that we all have those wounds and we don't realize that we're giving the devil like an open place to live in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And he takes those things and he turns around and he turns us against God. He turns us against others. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's amazing that you're talking about that because I don't, I don't think that we hear enough about the need for healing. You know, there's great people out there like Sister Miriam or Dr. Bob Schutz and people like that that are, that are focusing on it. But sometimes I think we hear things like that and we think, well, that's, that's great news for somebody else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we don't think about how it applies to our life and that, man, maybe I have some things wrong with me that I need to deal with too, mm -hmm. that the Lord's trying to bring to light, not, not for pain and suffering, but to come through them and to be healed. Yeah. Satan, he, he loves to manipulate that. I mean, it's in our heart. You know, John Eldridge, maybe you've heard of him. Yeah, uh, Wild at Heart. Wild Heart, yeah. Right, yeah. So one of the big things he puts out and that, you know, it, it, through th these different programs he has is the, the desire to, you know, to fight a fight, to, to defend a woman, like to defend your love. And, you know, it, just this desire for adventure. Sure. For battle. And, and it's, there's something good and holy about that, but Satan can really manipulate it because if I go into battle— protecting the people I love as an escape from the things that I need to address inside, and then I crash and burn, well, who would judge me in a bad way? Because I died in a valiant way. Yeah. We don't want to open up our hearts and say, you know, I'm totally helpless with this wound that I have right here, this history yeah. right here. This, We don't want to die on this hill. Sure. You know, it, this, this scar that we have. We'd rather die out there because if I crash and burn, at least it was heroic. Sure. But we don't associate inner healing with something that's also heroic, which is Amen. very terrifying and, and it requires immense vulnerability. But that is where like love happens. Sure. Like the trust that comes and love and then the freedom. Golly. It's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. But yeah, how Satan can really distract us from those wounds, even with by convincing us to do good things. Sure. Well, and even bad things too. Like you look at it and, where does judgment and gossip usually root a lot is right, yes. like, well, if I'm out there, you know, looking at everybody else, I can compare myself and at least I'm not like that guy. Right. Or at least I'm not like her. And, mm -hmm. and then also when you're passing that judgment, you're also trying to sort of, whether you know it or not, lift yourself up higher yeah. above something else. And the devil uses that stuff too, those wounds to continue to draw us into other sins. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, if we don't heal those, we wind up in a lot of places and hurting a lot of people. And, you know, it, it, and I've had a, I fight this fight all the time because I'm in men's ministry and, and I see all this stuff where it's like guys with knights and axes and swords. And I'm like, man, it just needs to be a guy sitting there with a Bible going like, yeah. enter my heart, you know, sure. my, that's the battle. Not the, not the whole brave heart thing all the time. I mean, that that's needed too. Yeah. But like, but I mean, for the most part, we can't, 
we can't really go out and affect the world in the way that God wants us to until we've we've really worked on what's in here. Bingo. You know, and, and that's you know, and that's the beauty of our stories is hopefully, you know, when we've had things happen in our life that they bring us back to certain points in our life where we can see where God is enacted in our life and things like that. I know you talk about how important our stories are a lot. Um, but you mentioned battle. You went off the battle. Really? I mean, did that do you think now looking back at what we talked about a little bit, do you think that had anything to do with why you went in the military? I mean, you went in the Air Force and and were decorated from what I understand from watching your, your story. Um, do you think any of that had anything to do with it, or was it just a, a desire to go out and serve? Or yeah, I, th- I think both of those de- desire to serve. I, I was just, I was, you know, looking back, I had no reason for going to the military at all. I yeah. loved being at home. I, you know, I hate traveling. And, yeah, and I just I wanted to do work, and there's always work at home. So like I could have done all that stuff there, um, but looking back, I see clearly the Lord was using that opportunity to pull me out of everything that made me comfortable and to to really um really work on me in a one-on-one way um so the the whole battle thing you know there was you know i, I did a did a term in central iraq like so that was you know that was something but it was it wasn't i drove a forklift okay like, so i mean we still got shot at every day rockets and stuff like sure. that come in but i mean i got so many brothers and sisters you know in the military that there were in Humvees every day and their, their armored vehicles, all this other stuff that were really fighting it. But the, um, just, uh, the whole, the whole battle experience going over there was, was just, uh, just another little step in the, in the journey. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but I, so, so you went into the air force, how many years were you in there? Just three. So three. Mm-hmm. And so you're overseas, you came home. What did you want to do? Like, did you have any idea what you, were you going to be a career military man at the time? Did you think, or did, where did you think your life was going to take you after that? Well, I went in to be a, a survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. You know, that sounds you know, awesome. Guys. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. basically training people for, for war and, yeah. and, uh, and and stuff like that. You but, think you're, you're growing up in the country had something to do with that? Like yeah, the, it was just kind of cool. It's yeah. like, like I get to play with sticks and all day and go play in the dirt and, sure. and, and like hide and seek yeah. <laughs> kind of things. Um, so I went and did to do that, but got washed out of the course and then oh, wow. got put into logistics. So basically, uh, you know, a mailman and, uh, moving people and stuff, mailman and a travel agent. You think of it like that, but, and I, I was really frustrated that I got put into that job, but yeah. it was so prophetic, like the, or the way that the Lord was working through that, because I had to, for the mission to be complete, I had to help plan and coordinate who was being sent on the mission okay and also when it came to materials i had to figure out and know what people needed where i could be found and how i could get it from a to b so that the mission could continue and, and that's that's priesthood like yeah. it's, it's finding the like discerning with people the charisms in their heart and how the lord is working in their heart and then identifying you know praying with them helping them to discern what mission the lord is sending them on where they need to be sent to and then also for delivering the goods, the way I preach the gospel to every person is different. Sure. Um, and so the way I package what's being delivered, you know, it requires situational awareness, history, where it's coming from, where it's going. But I just see how the, those little parallels there. Um, so I went in to do that. Uh, the survival job got washed out, put into logistics. Uh, and that's when just the Lord was really, really started working. And uh uh, I was going to go in for, yeah, for a career because, I mean, 20 years, you can retire before you're 40. I mean, yeah. isn't that amazing? And uh, um, I'm 36 now, so I'd be four years away from retirement. That's, oh, that's wow. crazy, you know, if you think <laughs> about it like that. But um, uh, but once the Lord put it on my heart, uh, priesthood, which really, really came hard and heavy whenever I was in the military, I took it and ran. Yeah. So how did that happen? So he put it on your heart. You know, hard and heavy, as you said. Mm-hmm. What was that like? I mean, did you just wake up one day and God's like, be a priest? or <laughs> like... Yeah, kind of. I mean, nothing yeah. fancy, nothing exciting. It was, um, the Lord was patiently persistent with me. Um, the um, So when I was in the military, I um, kept going to Mass. Like for me, it was, you know, growing up, it, we always went to Mass. It, was, it wasn't an option. Something that confuses me now really saddens me is I'll see a family and a couple of their kids won't be with them. And I know they got, you know, little, little Peggy or little Pete, you know, at home or in their family, but I don't see them. I'm like, Oh, is, you know, is, is Peggy sick? Where's Pete? Is he at home? Like, is, is he okay? Oh yeah. They said they didn't want to go to mass today. I'm thinking they're nine years old. 
yeah. they're telling you what to do. Yeah. Like, so like growing yeah. up, that wasn't the environment for me. Like if, if I told mom or my grandma or grandpa what to do, they reminded me pretty quickly that yeah. they're the ones that tell me. Probably with a, with a <laughs> knotted end of a yeah. switch or yeah. something, right? Yeah. So when I went to the military, you know, it was a non-negotiable. I went to mass and uh, kept going to mass. Really, you know, struck up great friendships with a lot of families there at the church. Uh, a couple of the priests got to know really well. We'd go to the chapel pretty much every afternoon to um, not to pray because that would have that would have been really holy. But I was going to wait for the priest, <laughs> the priest who was. Uh, we always go working out and then go out and eat stuff like that almost every day. He always finished a lot later than I, so I would just wait in the chapel, you know, sure. a little bit, maybe read the Stations of the Cross or some scripture or something. But most of the time, I just slept. And uh, just regular, steady contact with the church. Regular, steady contact with the church. That was one thing. That regular, steady contact with the people of the church, with their beauty and their warts, and all their good and b- good and bad. And regular, steady contact with the priests, with sure. their strengths and weaknesses. And through that, the Lord said, like, just put this random, these random thoughts into my mind. And then these random thoughts became very more regular and then they even more coincidental and then before long i could see it was just a clear invitation sure and uh uh, so just kind of unfolded very simply but what what, once it was once it was on my heart that this is this is uh you know maybe the lord's calling me to this pray hard about it and discerned and and then went to seminary and yeah i mean there's just history sure did you think i mean looking back now do you think maybe growing up without a father kind of led you to sort of want to be a father for other people i mean Mm, wow that's a good question um, I'm gonna move this up yeah. a little bit too. So just in case it's in here, you can move the mic over, but I want to make sure. It's, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, yeah, I think that there's some of that. I just need to pray through that. I haven't haven't thought about <laughs> that yet. There's definitely just initially thinking about it. There's definitely those parallels. I was always you know always there for my siblings. Um, did what I could to help my mom, um, and um, just had fantastic examples of men. Oh, this is actually a big thing. I've, I've never made this connection. So many men who made a conscious and free choice to father me, even though they weren't my father. Oh, I wow. wasn't their kid. They they chose fatherhood out of love. This wow. kind of hit me like right now. Isn't that what God does with us? Like, I mean, he loves us into existence, but He, it's because he chooses to love us. Mm. It's not like he's like, oh, I'm stuck with this kid. Like, <laughs> It's like, I choose to be to be stuck to this kid. Like yeah. it's my free choice to be with this knucklehead. Like I love him <laughs> and, and I'm going to stick by this, this kid, by this person. So, wow, that's something for me to pray through. But yeah, so growing up in that, the, the, the fatherhood thing, I think being a father to, to others and, you know, even amongst my friends, looking back, I have, ha, would have buddies who would call me with, for all sorts of advice, even when I was in high school. Yeah. And uh, just like, well, I don't know, but I would just hear him out. And uh, share a couple little things and and uh, and help them. But wow, okay, you gave me some stuff to work on. I need to <laughs> pray, pray about that. Well, man, I mean, but isn't that isn't that great though? You're sitting here talking about men that that you used to love, and it, you know, as, as men, we're also innately selfish, right? Like we just we want what we want, and, and I mean that came to fruition in my life. And then the drugs just like just increase that a thousandfold, mm-hmm. right? Um, that I that I struggled with. But often in times we go through life and we just sort of have our head down with what we have going on mm. in our own life and our own struggles. And we forget, you know, that, you know, out of the two commandments that Jesus gave us was love your God, which a lot of us do well. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us don't. But most of us, if we're if we're into our faith, are doing that well. Mm-hmm. But it's that loving of neighbor, mm-hmm. right, that's hard because that means I have to care about somebody else. That means I have to deal with other things. That yeah. means I'm inviting baggage that isn't my mm-hmm. own into my life. But what a beautiful thing when, when you look back and you think it, like, what a gift those men were to you and how it's led you into this 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 beautiful life that you have now as a priest. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful and it's still broken, too. Yeah, I, amen. I just, <laughs> I just moved parishes uh, the beginning of July, and it's been a great transition. It's been it's been really good. It's been eye-opening, too, because when you, you know, breaking out of the, the structure, the routine that I was in, I mentioned earlier, just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. That's good, but it can also create a monotonous routine. Yeah, and so something about this transition has slapped me in the face to to show me how lazy I am in some areas and sure. and how comfortable I want to get. Oh like man, we, yeah. we seek comfort. It was kind of like one of the points that you were alluding to a second ago. It sounds like, um, but just comfort. How 
we will make ourselves so uncomfortable in the pursuit of comfort. Like we will go to <laughs> radical extremes just to make ourselves feel more comfortable. And one of the things the Lord has really been convicting me of since this transition has, has been how, how comfortable I've let myself get. So trying yeah. to seek out things that make me uncomfortable and to do not by doing radical things, because those are actually pretty easy to do. Because if I try something radical and I fail, oh, okay, well, that's, it's, it's under. It wasn't meant to happen or it wasn't yeah. meant to work, yeah. But if I can't wash the coffee mug that I just drank coffee from and I leave it on the counter for three days, well, that's, I'm a loser. Like, <laughs> how come I can't do that? I'll share an experience similar to that. In my previous parish, uh, the Lord, he hit me between the eyes. Just such a loving hit. And, <laughs> um <laughs> I hate doing laundry. Hats off to parents with yeah. you know, couples with kids. I'm a single guy. I've got two dogs. Um, but I can't believe how much laundry I go through. Sure. And I hate folding laundry, especially knowing that I'm going to wear it within two days. So why, why waste time to fold it? I'm going to put it right back on my back, you know? So there was a recliner at the old parish I was at in the rectory there. And I would have my clothes piled up in it. Sure. And I was walking through the living room one day, and the Lord just stopped me in my tracks. And I kind of heard with the ear of my heart, just the Lord speaking so clearly. He was like, man, if you can't fold the clothes in that recliner, how, can, how do you expect to take care of the souls in your parish? Wow. And I was like, oh, jeez. So every time that buzzer goes off in the dryer, ah. it's like, <laughs> okay, good. I've got a lot of room to grow, but... I don't know where I was going with that. But no, man. Showing up and doing the work and the comforts that we seek, we, we, we can get so comfortable. Yeah. Well, you know, you were, you did your studies on uh, Pope Benedict XVI, and mm. and uh, one of uh, my favorite quotes of his is, the world offers you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Yeah. And I think that's what we struggle with so much and, and just, you know, intentionality too. Like you're talking about getting in a, you know, just a mundane rhythm mm. and, I think that's what happens to a lot of people in the faith is we mm -hmm. just keep showing up on Sundays and we're checking the boxes or we're showing up at our night's meeting or our men's meeting or our coaching thing or whatever else we're doing to help, mm -hmm. you know, be a good dad or a good husband or a good yeah. man. And and, it, and we forget that it's always supposed to be an encounter and an invitation with the risen Lord, mm -hmm. right? Like all these things are an invitation to, to grow is who we are, to grow in our faith, to grow in virtue, all of these things. And, I think for so many Catholics today, when you look around the church, you know, we, we had COVID and, and, and a lot of people hadn't come back. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sort of the same thing. Well, I was going all these years and I hadn't gone in a year or six months and my life's really not that different. You know, I still have money. I still have a job. I still have a, my, my Netflix or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And we get into that place of comfort. And so it's, it's refreshing to hear, you know, a priest talking about that and, 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 and preaching about it. Cause I don't think, I don't think we hear that enough. Mm -hmm. I think it just is, hey, you keep chugging along the little engine that could, you know, and, and going at that steady pace, and, and you'll get to heaven eventually. But our Lord actually challenges us to do more than that and to be more than that in our life. Yeah, recent, recent scripture passage we just had in, in the Sunday Mass was yeah. uh, go, getting through the narrow gate. You know, the, 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 they, they put it on the Lord say, hey, how many are going to be saved? And he <laughs> says, oh, well, he, he doesn't give a number. He says, hey, listen, the gate's narrow. There's going to yeah. be a bunch of people, but— there's going to be a lot that aren't strong enough to get through. And then he lays out all these different, uh, these different images. And one of them is, is, you know, the master who locks the door. Then you're going to knock on the door. And the, the master of the house is going to say, I don't know you. And, yeah. and the response is, well, we ate and drank with you. Sure. <laughs> you, you, you were taught in our midst. You were, we, we were together. Um, and it, it's one thing to just do stuff. Sure. Um, we can all complete tasks, but... I mean, what's the intention as the point yeah. that you were getting? I mean, what's the yeah. motive for doing it? You know, and and that was a, just a big wake-up call for me as I was praying through that scripture, like um, getting through the motions. And so with with the COVID thing, so many people left because for them, the faith was just the thing that they checked the box in. Sure. So they took the church aspect out. They took God out, the Je Jesus out, and replaced it with another to-do thing. So sure. they're just checking boxes. The faith is not a box check, but it's like the it's the page on which everything else is written. Like sure. it's the foundation on which everything else is built. And uh, you don't just it's not something you just check the box and get it done. It's something that allows you to to complete all those other things. You know? Yeah. That's one of the scariest verses in the Bible to me is when he says, Be gone from me, evildoers. I never knew you. Yeah. And Jeez. it's it really that it really made me start thinking. Like I, I had uh, when I became Catholic and really actually started living as a Catholic. I was Catholic 11 years before I was ever Catholic. But um, 
uh, you know, I remember a, an older lady coming to me and saying, like, you got to pray rosary every day or you're not Catholic. So I found myself by the bed every night, you know, going to bed at 10, 1030 going, man, I got to go to sleep. Dang it. I'm not Catholic if I don't pray a rosary. Hell Mary, full of grace. Hell Mary, full of grace. Hell Mary, full of grace. Hell Mary. You know, and one night I just, I felt like in my soul, I heard like, stop it, put it down. Like you're disrespecting my mother, you know, like yeah. if that's all this is going to be. And, and, you know, this is one thing I preach about all the time when I have an opportunity and the Lord calls me to go and speak is, is just, are we doing this to grow in a real relationship with Christ? And often mm -hmm. that can be put off as a Protestant thing, you know, mm -hmm. that, oh, that's, it, and especially since people know I'm a former Baptist, they kind of think, well, mm -hmm. you're still leaning, you know, mm -hmm. but I think it's such a gift that I, that I had that because I try in everything in my life, even going to daily mass, you know, I, I'm a daily, you know, mass communicant. And when I go in and, and I, I struggle and, and I think like, let my, let me respond to this, mm -hmm. you know, like, don't let this be, well, I went to the post office and then I went to here and then I stopped by mass and had some bread and some wine and went home. Yeah. But like, let this really change my life and, and always remember like that. Remember what was done for me, mm -hmm. right. And what he's done. And, so you make a great point about just that comfort and the monotony and where we can get and how we need to keep our mind always on on God's love for us and his desire for us to know him better. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite uh, phrases is Aji Quod Agis. Uh, St. Francis, uh, St. Francis, St. Ignatius of Loyola is, is one that really made it popular amongst his brothers and everything, but Aji Quod Agis means more or less, almost literally, do what you're doing. Sure. Do what you do. Um, another way of understanding it, the fuller context is like, whatever you're doing at the present moment, give it everything you've got. Mm. And that's, that's the path of sanctity. So if I, I could try to rush through the rosary, but I'm not, I'm not giving it everything I've got. I'm just getting it done. And so in that regard, it would be better to pray one Hail Mary the best I can, than try to get through 50 of them just to get them done. Sure. Um, but just that, that, that aspect of being present to the present moment is what made saints saints and they just they were so present to the present moment if they were with somebody they were with that person sure if they were working in the yard they were working in the yard and, and it's that I, I always give that to people and in the parish even to myself like okay if if i'm doing ministry i'm going to do it everything i can give it everything i've got if i'm working out in the garage that's what i'm focusing on sure. everything else is on on the back burner and i'm going to do that the best i can because that's the present moment and doing that the best i can in the, that moment is going to give glory to god if i'm hunting i'm going to hunt the best i can it's <laughs> it's all or nothing it's sort of this sort of crash and burn mentality like let's let's do it sure and, um, yeah kind of like saint peter you know kinda like yeah well and, and that's the thing like that's another trick of the devil right to get you to focus on the past I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. God can't love me because I'm this mm -hmm. or anxiety about the future. And both of those things are meant to take your eye off the present moment because that's all you can really affect, right. you know? And so we get caught up in those things. And I find myself all the time doing it in ministry and, you know, being a nonprofit, you start going, Lord, like there's no, nothing's coming in, you know, or there's no engagements or there's nothing. And you can get caught up in that or say mm -hmm. like, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? Yeah. You know, like, cause all that's doing is making me worry and, not be a good husband or a good father and all those things. But, um, well, you know, you, you talked some about, you know, the examples in your life. I know you, you talked a little bit uh, in your story about a priest that really inspired you and, and made you want to become a priest or, or the type priest that you are now. Mm -hmm. I think it was Father Stan. Is yeah. that correct? Would you share a little bit about him and like what what mattered to you about him? And He's just a man. Yeah. Father Stanley Rother, a uh, priest from – the Archdiocese of Oklahoma, uh -huh. um, just just across the state, and uh, German Catholic farming family grew up in it. You know, it worked very quiet, very shy guy, um, just hard worker, yeah. and um, eventually, you know, w went to seminary, and uh, um, he actually flunked out. They, they kicked him out because he, he oh, couldn't wow. get the grades, and uh, so that's kind of the joke at that seminary that the um, the uh, you know they. Anyhow, kicked out with you know a future saint. Yeah, one but, of the holiest uh, people yeah. ever. Like, please leave. <laughs> um, he eventually yeah. met with the bishop after that, and was just like the bishop knew that there was something different about this guy. Uh, he he goes back to seminary, another seminary, um, uh, finishes. You know, gets his work done. Not not super bright, but not not the you know not the the lowest in the class. Just he he, he does what he can. Um, he, he's a, eventually ordained. And then he uh, 
he goes to Guatemala, ends up after a few years of ministry in Oklahoma City. There's a call for missionaries to go to Central America, South America, different different uh, countries that needed priests. So he volunteers to go. Uh, long story short, uh, gives his life completely to the people down there. It's ironic. He flunked out of seminary because he couldn't learn Latin, uh, but he goes down there and learns Spanish within a very short time. And also wow. one of the, the dialects, Sutuir, for the, the people in, in Guatemala that he, where he was, um, just almost like how, how God's hand was there because he knew the people he's going to be serving, sends him down there. Um, it's really cool what he did, though. He he uh, he went and, of course, did priestly ministry, mass, confessions on a regular basis, but he he used the things that he grew up with to, to bring Jesus to those people. He taught them how to farm in, in a way that they didn't know how to farm before. So different agricultural techniques from here in the States that, that he had learned, he took it, and they just— the, the the community exploded. They sure. were able to farm so much more um, efficiently, have more produce. They could sell it and then make more more money for their area. Put in a radio station, dug wells, put a hospital in, built a hospital. Um, he loved his people, and they he was willing to. He didn't just preach the gospel to the people. He lived the gospel, and he didn't just tell the people they needed Jesus in their daily lives. He was with them in their daily lives. He would go and work in the fields with them and just sweat. So he had that sweat equity with them. Like it's, they knew they could trust him. And uh, that terrified the government. It was a time of pl- great political upheaval, 70s um, and 80s. And um, they didn't like that because if the people trusted him, there was a group of it, – well, it created a community. Sure. And that scared them because it was a threat to their power. And so he ends up on a hit list multiple different times. He's run out of the country a couple of times. Every time he comes back, he's just – He's in angst. Um, he would uh, he would stand in the doorway of his house and just watch the sunset, just knowing that like he had to go back. He had to go back. He told his bishop, you know, he's like, I got to go back. And his famous line is, "The shepherd cannot run at the first sign of danger." Wow. The shepherd cannot run. Um, he went back and uh, eventually was was killed. And um, the uh, just a beautiful thing after his uh, after his death, um, his family. They said they wanted the body to be buried, um, you know, in Oklahoma City. They're, we're going to dedicate his his shrine. I say we because it's our, our Catholic faith. It's all of us together. Um, um, November fourth in Oklahoma City. Oh wow! He, he'll eventually be buried there and interred there. But his body's there, but his heart is in Santiago Atitlano in oh, Guatemala, wow. where he where he served and where he died. And that was his family's choice because they said, you know, his body is from here and everything, but his heart. Was there? there. Yeah. Oh wow, that's awesome. Just, um, I think the thing that made him so extraordinary for me is that he was just a simple dude. He just woke up, broke a sweat every day working, celebrated mass, loved the people, loved the Lord, went to bed and repeated. Yeah, just a, <laughs> just a hard worker, just a grit would be a good word that would ex- describe him. I just sure, yeah. sure. Well, I mean that's German farm family too. I imagine there's connection there, but yeah, what a what a amazing life i mean that's that's what the saints are supposed to do or the people that probably will be a saint one day in his case um supposed to inspire us right like not to we can look at them oftentimes as like these lofty things that we'll never be able to achieve right like i can't you were talking about being the present moment and it made me think of john paul ii Mm -hmm. like he did all these amazing things but one of the things that i always found was so interesting about him was you know, people would complain that worked for him because if he saw somebody he made on co- eye contact with him, he might stop for three hours and he was late for some interview <laughs> or some meeting and they would be mad. Like I, I remember reading, I think it was in Jason Everett's book, um, that it's a phenomenal book he wrote on him. Uh, he was talking about like if he ever knew there was, um, you know, like adoration or something or the Blessed Sacrament was exposed somewhere, like he wanted to know when he visited. And they were telling this story about how, he had to be somewhere, and his, his I, I hate to call them handlers, but the people went before him, yeah. you know, just kind of were like, all right, shut the door to that room, put a bookcase in front of it, <laughs> like, and that he was walking down the hallway and apparently made it right past this door and then stopped and turned around and wagged a finger at everybody and moved the bookcase oh, wow. and went in there. He, see, he, he felt the presence of, the, yes. uh, of Jesus in the Eucharist. Yeah. And then proceeded to, like, lay prostrate on the floor for three hours. That's awesome. It was late to meetings, but... Like you, you see this, and sometimes you you can be so intimidated by the loftiness of it all. Mm. But at the end of the day, like that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be something that inspires us. And to hear the life of, of Father uh, Stan and how he 
just has inspired you to be, you know, a better priest, a better man is, mm-hmm. is what it's all about, you know, and it's not to be this, this, this bar that go, well, my, my, I shouldn't even try because that's way too high for me, sure. but trying to, to just be inspired by that. Yeah. There's, there's so many great saints and so sure. many examples. There's, I mean, uh, golly, there's no cookie cutter Christian. Sure. And every one of you're the only you in the whole history of humanity, past, yeah. present, and future. Like, let that just sink in. This, yeah. Like, I'll think about that every now and then. It's just, wow, it's cool, man. Like, I'm the <laughs> only me. Yeah. And God is loving that me into existence. How am I responding to that? Yeah. And then, then I wake up and say, oh, I don't, there's no meaning in life, or my life's terrible, or like, th- this, it's not fair, all this or that. Like, yeah, it can be tough. Mm-hmm. You're the only one in the whole history of humanity that has the opportunity to go through this particular chain of events. Yeah, at this present wow. time. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, even going through the worst moments, like even with a little humility, that should create some sort of gratitude. Like, sure. Wow, okay, so what what could possibly come out of this? Maybe it's worth me fighting a little bit harder. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's a great point. I mean, you said gratitude, and I think so many of us, we don't live out of gratitude. Mm. You know, we wake up, our feet hit the floor, we turn on the news. You know, I live in Memphis, so it's like 4,000 murders on TV in the first two minutes or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And you, you immediately are going like, oh, man, this day stinks already, right? Or yeah. I got to get up and I got to do this. I got to go here. My kids need me to do this. It's so easy to fall into that instead of like the Lord decided to put breath into my lungs again today. Yeah. Right? And I get to get up and like and live. There's so many people that – are laid up in a bed and can't move, or there's so many people that that passed yesterday and didn't have an opportunity to be with their family again today. Mm-hmm. There's just so many things that you can think about, and when you live out of that gratitude, gratitude, gratitude normally just just incites generosity in us. The way we mm-hmm. want to spend our time, the way we want to be for other people, when we live from that gratitude. But so often we we don't, yeah. and we find ourselves in that place, and you, and you are going, "What's the meaning of my life?" I'm going to never ending groundhog day of laundry and all yeah. these things and you know and we don't we, we we just don't go man like the lord decided for me to live right now in this time for something sure you know and you can even like when you're reading about the gifts or the charism saint paul talks about mm-hmm. he basically says like we all have some of this mm-hmm. and it's easy to go well if, if if everybody has some of that then i'm really not special no, but you're special in the way that God made you particularly to use that one gift or yeah. whatever, the multiple gifts he gave you. Because you and I may have the gift of prophecy, but we were, we're not going to use it the same way. Right. Right. I mean, the Old Testament's proof of that with all these different prophets and the things, the way they live their lives. But it's so easy to lose that when you're when you're not living from a place of gratitude. Sure. One of the great blessings of suffering. It's, it's so often we hear suffering, all suffering, this, like... Why is there suffering and all this? But one of the graces that comes out of suffering is the gift of gratitude. Whenever yeah. we, whenever we, whenever we patiently perve- uh, persevere and and through suffering, and allow God's grace to really penetrate that suffering and be present with us in the moment. Whenever we we know there's a big question, but we don't have the answer. That's that's probably at the, what it's at the heart of suffering. Is sure. like there's a question here. We know there's a question. There has to be an answer. But there's no answer in sight. Yeah. But it has to exist, so it creates this tension. But patiently persevering in suffering and, you know, by God's grace, making it through that then gives you a perspective on life, which makes you grateful for so many things. Because whenever you could complain about this or this or that, you're, I mean, you think back of your own suffering or sufferings of others, and you're like, yeah, you know, there's there's more to life. Sure. Um, so just it's suffering leading to the grace of gratitude which is possible because of a, a holy perspective, yeah. which is an acceptance, a humble acceptance of God's story of salvation and how we're, yeah. we're, we take part in that. Yeah. That's cool. It is. And, I mean, you look back at, like, your story. I mean, you've been through a lot of suffering, obviously, at a young age and just what the Lord did. And, I mean, you could look at it as, man, like, why did the Lord make me have to go through all that? Or you can mm-hmm. you can use it the way you are to bring other people to say, like, look, that doesn't have to be – your story that doesn't have to be like the book doesn't end there the paragraph doesn't end there right there's there's so much more and i feel that same way in my own life you know my deacon jeff who's on the other side of the camera uh or on the other side of the equipment i mean he was giving a grace talk at Crescio the weekend my wife went to and, and you know we hadn't healed after all of my drug issues i was supposed to give tell everybody this story for the first time ever and and uh, she goes this Crescio weekend and, and she comes back and 
is in tears and hugs me. It turns out Deacon Jeff's a long story, but <laughs> he wound up, his car broke down. It sounds like a bad joke. I had a priest, a deacon, and three kids in a minivan going to Garcia. <laughs> but, but she was so excited to see him and, and comes out. You know, it turns out that he'd given this talk on grace. And what she heard out of that was, I've been mad at God. And she was hit by a car in college and spent year, you know, like six months in the med. You know, mm. probably won't be able to to have children. May not be able to have you know all your brain activity and function. Mm. So she'd already been through that. And then here comes this guy she marries. It's not the guy she thinks it is, and goes through all that. And so she had been angry, rightly, at God in her own mind. And Deacon Jeff that weekend, his talk opened up her eyes. To like, if suffering is just suffering, then it was for naught, mm-hmm. right? But if 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 you look at it as the Lord has allowed me to go through this, and now we can use this to help others through our suffering. Then it has meaning. Yeah, you know, like the, just the the you sharing your story, me sharing mine, people that have been through things that 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 becomes part of their testimony, part of their life. It's just mm-hmm. God uses that to open up the eyes of other people. And you're right. So often when we face suffering, we can just go like, Lord, why? Instead of Lord, what? Yeah. You know, like what do you want me to do with this? Yeah. It's just an amazing thing. Well said. Well said. The, the, um gratitude is is one of the the secrets of the saints um if you want to be a saint like don't try to be humble like we we know that that's a it just doesn't work sure i mean i'm, I'm gonna be humble today I'm like no you're not because even that it's very prideful heading down the wrong direction to begin with or as soon as you you realize how humble you are and you take pride in that it's like sure. okay well daggum it it's out the window again yeah so the saints like i think one of the the things that i take away from them is what made them holy and the way they lived out their humility was uh, this two-edged sword of of gratitude and generosity yeah because they both come up from from the same point um very humble it requires humility but to be grateful requires requires you to humbly recognize that you've been blessed with something that you don't deserve and that you didn't earn yeah it could be a friendship could be a blessing could be material things it could be life anything we can only truly be grateful if we realize that we've got something that we didn't don't earn and we didn't we don't deserve sure and it was given to us by somebody that had it and made the free conscious choice to to give it to sure so which then should stir generosity in our own hearts to to do the same to to someone else to give to others yeah yeah. that's incredible and it's when you start to see that perspective you can read scripture and see like when when the apostles and acts and they're just preaching like they can't stop preaching you know they're going everywhere and it's like paul says like it's you know woe to me if i don't preach the gospel or jeremiah it's in my bones right and they're just telling everybody and and then the end of that one scene in the bible it it says and they left rejoicing they've just been flogged Mm. Because they wouldn't stop preaching, and so they beat them. And so they left rejoicing in being found worthy to suffer. Yeah. Right? It's like, man, what a different perspective. Yeah. I literally just had my flesh torn from me for for speaking about Jesus, and I'm happy and rejoicing because I found some worthy to suffer. <laughs> like it's a, it, it blows. It's like you know, and and but when your heart changes, it's like no one wants to be beaten and flogged. But yeah. that point of like I was found worthy to suffer. Sure. I mean, what a, what a life changing perspective that is if we can ever get to that sort of place. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing. Well, I'd be remiss uh, if I don't ask you the question. A lot of people probably want me to ask you too. American Ninja Warrior, man. <laughs> like, I'm sure you get that a lot. Yeah. But I knew like, when I saw that in your video, I was like, I, I don't watch that show much. But there was one night back then when I turned on the TV, and I remember seeing. A, a guy dressed like a priest and going, is that guy really a priest? And then sprinkling holy water in the pool of water you had to run over and all yeah. of that. And here you are, man. Like I, at first I thought it was some sort of hoax. A guy was dressed up like yeah. that, but what was that like? Like, I know you're into CrossFit and all those yeah. things and you're the um, chaplain for the CrossFit games, correct? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. haven't done it for the last couple of years, yeah. COVID and everything and just transitions there. But uh, yeah, that's been a great thing, but yeah, fitness. I love fitness. I lo- so I grew up on the farm. And the priesthood is not like a very physical job. I sure. mean, it's, it's exhausting. And there's some days whenever I, you know, I'd, you, it is tiring. But by and large, it's very emotional, spiritually and psychologically taxing, not physically taxing. So I need that physical outlet. Sure. So fitness is just something I love doing. I love working out. I love intentionally breaking a sweat every day. Yeah. Um, so, so I've got that there. A, a couple of friends suggested to me that I apply. And, um, and, 
it was Father Steve Gruno with Word on Fire and also Sean Bryan, the Papal Ninja. Those two kind of sure. together really convinced me uh, for a couple of reasons. You know, I've got the you know, physical and everything, like I do fitness, but also a priest. And, um, and so, so you know, I said, okay, I'll, I'll try, I'll apply. Um, and it was really a no-brainer, to be honest with you. Um, it was kind of out of my comfort zone. I'm very introverted, believe sure. it or not, very introverted. And um, I don't like attention. But at the same time, like I was thinking, if if there's this opportunity for me to present a positive side of the priesthood on primetime television for seven, eight minutes, and for millions of people to see, and not cost a dime to the church except for, you know, a day and a half. Sure. I, I drove down to Dallas. We filmed it, and I came back the you know wow. a day and a half later. So it was like I wasn't away from the church for a long time. It didn't require extra stuff. Uh, I wasn't away from the parish for you know a long time um I, I would be a fool to not do it I, i'd be like a you know the one who buried their talents yeah and uh so i said okay yeah i'll do it it was super fun is, is it the only presentation of the priesthood not at all sure not at all there's so many so many amazing things of the priesthood but it's it's one avenue that allowed me to evangelize to people that as you'd mentioned like would turn on the tv and see a priest you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe how many phone calls and emails I got after that from people saying, yeah, I was ready to give up on life, or I was just, I threw in the towel, or I was done with God, or this was going on, and I, or, I was praying for a sign, or this, or this, or that. And I just, I didn't want to do anything about church. And, and then I see a priest. Then there's this Catholic church on TV. And then there's the guy on American Ninja Warrior. And just all these responses. And that, that was very affirming to me. Yeah. There, there was there's a lot of pushback people were saying oh that wasn't a holy thing you should have been doing holier things get out of um, here and, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah it's you know it may not fit their mold of, of holiness sure but it's what the lord was calling me to do and yeah. if, and if i want to be a saint i have to do what the lord calls me to do and not what you tell me to do sure um and, and so just such a powerful experience to do that um it was very formative too because the lord worked through it to to, to show me that he wants to he wants me to be who he's creating me to be, yeah. and not uh, not who I think I need to be or who other people tell me I should be. Um, really cool experience, though. I kind of all over the place with that answer, but no, just I, a just a really <laughs> neat uh, opportunity to meet people where they're at and to to use the the platform of, of primetime TV to to get a, a positive uh, yeah. you know, thing of the church out there. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and that's you bring up a good point. I mean, we. We sort of take our priest and we put them on these pedestals and say, like, you need to look like this, sound like this, be like this, holy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really dis- a disservice to you guys, too. You're, you're people, too. You're intrinsically different, right? I mean, yeah. you can transubstantiate. I can't. You know, those things. It's a pretty but, old gift. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. Just call Jesus down whenever, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. But it is. It's it's amazing. And But sometimes we, we treat you guys like it's just – like. You know, put them on the shelf until we need them, right? I need my I need my kid baptized. I need you to marry me, Father, or whatever. And then mm-hmm. thank you and put you back up on there. Here's your twenty five bucks. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. Instead of just like no, they're people too that need to be ministered to and need to be loved and need yeah. to be allowed to be who they are. Yeah. Right. I mean, this isn't. I'm a father, but that doesn't define every aspect of who I am. You know, as a dad. Yeah. You know, I have other other attributes and other things and other, you know ways my personality wants to come out other than just dad sure and and i think we do a disservice a lot in the church by you know we we want our priest to just you, you be there you be that and and that's all you need to be yeah. and and unfortunately i think we've left a lot of priests to their own you know in loneliness and isolation and a lot of things like that because of it instead of saying like i'm going to embrace this person mm-hmm. for everything and, and not he's my father and my brother yeah yeah you know it's a lot of unrealistic expectations that are that are put on us we're not 24-hour convenience store managers <laughs> um i mean we're, we're broken human beings uh who happen to be ordi- ordained ordained for sacramental ministry and yeah. you know when we celebrate those seven sacraments it is pre- it is pretty cool to know yeah. that god has to listen to me in those moments yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's right. but then it also it, it, uh, this has to change from bread to his body yeah these sins have to be forgiven you know if is obviously as long as i pray the prayers that I have to pray, right? Sure. Um, but God has to listen to me, and that's that's kind of cool. But then also, like, there's other things whenever I have my own struggles or sins, and I'm like, 
come on, God, like, how come you're not listening to me now? Just like every other Christian. Sure. Got my own struggles. And, and uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, one of the reasons I'm a priest is because I, I got to know so many priests at, at the, just their human level. And it, it, yeah. uh, it was just such a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. And I think it's something we have to all be better about is just inviting our priests in our lives and, and caring for them the way that you guys, I mean, you're constantly caring for us. It's, it's right to be able to care for you guys too. You know, I want to, I want to, I know we're coming to the end of the time here in a few minutes, but you know, with every priest that I've talked to, it seems like and anybody that's really in ministry, mm-hmm. you have sort of a central theme that you wind up preaching about a lot. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the gospel is per se. I mean, of course you're preaching on the gospel on Sunday, not saying you're not, but it just seems like within all of us, there's, there's a one central theme. Like for, yeah. for me, I'm not a priest, but to go out and to be an evangelist, I preach a lot about vulnerability, authenticity, relationship, healing. Mm-hmm. That's always, no matter what I'm talking about, it, that's always going to find its way into something. Yeah. What's that for you? Like, what is your message that you want people to hear when you preach? Yeah. Be all in, keep showing up, crash and burn with joy and gratitude. And, <laughs> and, um, one of the biggest things is just chill out. Yeah. Just chill out. Now, that's not a free pass to heaven. I'm not saying, okay, yeah, the the narrow gate is actually a wide open field. Yeah, it's not like presumption. Everyone right? can go, no, no, I'm not saying that at all. But yeah. I'm saying, like, we stress over things that are dumb. Yeah. The things that cause me anxiety or worry or preoccupation or stress are useless. Yeah. And they consume so much energy, and then they distract me from the things that I need to do well. So many, so many families I'm with on a regular basis that are just struggling. We can talk, and we'll, we'll work through something. And the Lord's really given me more and more this grace to do this in the, in the moments with the different families at different, you know, different ways. But really, really say, you know, you're acting like a four-year-old, or you, this is really ridiculous. Sure. And, um, and you are fighting about this, but I'm about to laugh in your face about it because it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> and, and then you just see them. You can see some anger come and frustration, and then confusion, and then it disarms them, and then they say, yeah, you're, you're right, that was pretty dumb. Okay. <laughs> it's right. So, like, I guess, you know, show up, keep showing up, crash and burn, be all in. Yeah. Don't be afraid to show people your mistakes. Like, we don't have to air out our laundry, I'm not saying that, but, like, don't be afraid to crash and burn in front of people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, don't take yourself so seriously. You know, you're not the last Coca-Cola in the desert. Like it's, there's like, there's, 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 yeah. That's awesome. I didn't even know there were Coca-Colas in the desert. It's a, it's a phrase in Spanish. I say the última Coca-Cola in the desierto. It's, it's just like, it's, it's funny. You're like, you're, <laughs> yeah. not, you're not that special. That's right. That's right. Well, one thing you said to me to, or not said to me, you said to everybody in the video I watched uh, just from, from Mortal on Fire was evangelization isn't what you do, but how you live. Mm. And it just struck me, you know, because I think we're always looking at that as, and I got to go out and do my ministry instead of my ministry being my very life. Sure. You know, expound on that for a second, if you would. I guess it's kind of like those points I was just making. You, you referenced yeah. in that documentary that I had the fantastic opportunity to, to do with Word on Fire. Yeah. Bishop Barron and Father Steve Gruno. It's called The Making of a Catholic Priest. Go check it out. Shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, YouTube. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah, on YouTube. Not for the sake of just hearing my story, but it's hopefully it inspires you to 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 live the story that the Lord's writing in your life. And then also go get to know your priest in a personal way. Yeah. They're human beings. But that just that line right there kind of hit hits it on the head. It's not what you do. It's how you live. When you live with, when you live with joy and you're present to the present moment, you're a conduit for God's grace and God's going to work through it. That's why every time you see a little bitty two or three year old kid, just doing what kids do, like it totally disarms you. It sets you free. No yeah. one sees a three-year-old kid playing and saying and, and says that makes me mad that that kid is so free. Right? Yeah, and if they do, you know that they've got something wrong with them. You sure, you're a moron. Why are you saying that? Like it's, <laughs> the kid's doing what the kid is supposed to do. That's right. They've got that freedom. Like they're just living. They're living, and I think we can, we can get, we can get better at, at just, um, at, at life. Um, there's a really cool song I just recently heard from Brett Kissel, a, a Canadian country singer. It's called Make a Life, Not a Living. Oh, wow. It kind of goes back to like some of the things you were talking about when, when you crashed and burned, like focusing on all these things, making a living. And it's like, that, that's, not, that's not what my heart's looking for. Yeah. My heart's looking for life. And so 
if we would concern ourselves more with, with life and less on, you know, making a life and less of a living, man, one is, uh, it's, it's just so, it's so good. So, you know, I don't have an answer to that other than whatever you're doing, just, just do it. And <laughs> do, do it well, it. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, praise God, Father. <laughs> what a gift it was to get to meet you and just to spend this time with you. I mean, you're an incredible, incredible priest, incredible man. Um, and it's just been a joy. Where can people find out more about what you're doing? I mean, I know you, you have your parish in, in Little Rock. What's the name of where you are now? I know you moved. St. Teresa's Catholic Church okay. in Little Rock. Okay, in case anybody wants to drive through there and stop and see you, yeah. say hello. But, um, I mean, you're with Word on Fire as a fellow. Are you mm-hmm. traveling, speaking? Where Where can people find out more about what you're doing and sure. and how to get in touch with you? Um, I have um, a couple of different ways. I've got a very candid podcast that I do. It's called Aji Quodagis. Okay. Uh, it's Latin. Uh I should think of a simpler name instead of having to explain it every time. Aji Quadagis, but uh, uh, maybe hard to Google search if you don't yeah. know how to spell it. Yeah, I spell that. But, uh, um, so that that one of the best ways is probably just Instagram. Yeah, um, all spelled out, no spaces, no underscores, or anything. All spelled out. Father Stephen J. Gadbury with okay. a ph, with a ph. Stephen with a ph. <laughs> okay, Father, Father Stephen J. Gadbury, and that's where uh, you'll get sort of how I share how I live. Um, okay. And uh, funny little thing on that, like I'll get complaints from time to time about Instagram not being my post not being holy enough because I'll put things of me weightlifting or shooting guns or shooting archery or going hunting or yeah. my dogs, things like that. People say, well, you need to have church stuff up there. And uh, first of all, I'm not going to put a lot of ministry stuff up on social media because that's a very sacred moment with people's souls. Amen. And that's not for me to sit, share on social media. If they want to share it, they can but I, I take that very seriously. Yeah. And uh, uh, so what I share on social media is just my, my candid life. And uh, so you can check that out, Father Stephen J. Gadbury on Instagram. Um, that's really about it. Sure. <laughs> well, look, folks, you, if you take nothing away, stop messing with the people about living their lives the way they live it. It's not cool, right? Leave, yeah. leave priests alone that are actually people and don't mind showing you they're people. Well, Father, thank you so much. It's been a gift, and, and I'm excited to, to continue to get to know you and invite you back on sometime to come be with us again. Great. That'd be, that'd be fun. I look forward to that. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes, sir. All right, Father. Thank you. God bless. Likewise.